and welcome to Kids From Yesterday podcast. My name is Cloda. My name is Courtney. And together we're Cloda and Courtney. Yeah. Roll the theme song. So Courtney, what have we got this week? What are we talking about? What are we dissecting? What are we going to ramble about for an hour? You say that like everything we do is not really important. <laughs> and, like the most important work of our time, recording history. We are recording history here because emo is one of the worst documented subcultures. You heard it here first. You did. This is a fact. Cool. What we're going to talk about this week is emo fashion. Like, we did an episode mm. a few weeks ago where we talked about different parts of, like, emo nostalgia. That was in our Emo's on Dead episode, episode 7. Um, but we want to specifically focus on where did the fashion come from? Why the fuck did we cover our faces with fringes? Like, what was that about? Um, but you're right. It's a really poorly documented subculture. There was actually an article in ID magazine in 2015 where emo was described as the last real British youth subculture. Now, true that, we're in Ireland. And also, it wasn't just... It wasn't just British, it was American too. It was American, it actually started in America, so that was that was a gross exaggeration. I want my six counties back. Um, <laughs> but for many people in their 20s, emo doesn't just mean, like, sort of belts, coming race, black my eyes, lyrics, or black and red aesthetic. It conjures up strong memories of a distinct lifestyle, and there hasn't been a movement as striking as widespread to make its mark on youth culture since. And that is fucking true. It is very true. I feel like there was, we spoke about this in probably our first episode, that there was a very distinct emo style where we could pick each other out of a crowd. Yeah. And you had some sort of, I know we're going to get to science bitch later on in the the episode because it's back, but there was some scientific reason behind that as well, wasn't there, Courtney? Yeah, so like the, I think what we said in that first episode was that when you identify strongly as something, Mm -hmm. you want to find other people who identify as that as well, you kind of pick each other out in a crowd. But now, because we have social media and you can create an online persona that, like, has all these things or talks the way you want to portray or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you can have a Tumblr dedicated to My Chemical Romance and everybody knows, hey, they're my chem fan and they also might like Umbrella Academy and they also might like all this other stuff that I'm into. And that's how you find each other. But mm-hmm. that person m- may not look like an emo. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, it's evolved past the need for an actual subculture. An emo, like, like we said, it's we've I think we get into this nearly every episode but how hard it is to define exactly what emo is and supposedly it's like something that's come from you know bands that have come from the internet and whatever and the internet is definitely it's a key tool for emo people it definitely was when Bebo and MySpace whenever was just starting out Uh, and even now but one of the things that right I definitely feel like one of the big kind of traits of how to define how to like pick out if an account was emo or not is the lack of capital letters <laughs> i feel like using lowercase letters is a huge emo thing online yeah no punctuation no, no punctuation letters, no caps just, we don't give a fuck we're too sad we're too sad for that shit <laughs> <laughs> who needs grammar when 
when you're actually falling apart on your side. True. So what was your unique emo style? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, so I have kind of an eclectic style. Okay. My mother was like, this is a phase. And I'm like, it's now 12 years later, mother. I am still an emo. It's not a phase, it's mom. It's not a phase, mom. It really isn't. Um, but it was like my first pair of skinny jeans were like a dark blue. She wouldn't quite let me commit to black. So it was like I had a really dark blue pair of skinny jeans. Oh. And, and then I had like dark blue Converse. And then she was like, you can wear like navy nail. It was like a war I was having. with. with so that was like my first, like I was 13. I was emo, I wanted to look like this, and I had to settle for, like, <laughs> close enough. But it was still close enough that, like, you know, I could wear it with a black t-shirt. And then okay. I'm like, you know, then I'm like, I still see you with my emo friends. And, like, I've got, like, leather jackets and stuff. But I had kind of, like, a kind of an eclectic taste in clothes as well. I was still trying to figure out what exactly I liked. And I feel like I settled on Ryan Ross in a fever you can't sweat out era okay so interesting had, yeah it was interesting i had a lot of like interesting blouses so i had this like gold blouse now it wasn't like shiny gold it was like understated gold mm -hmm. but it had like ruffles down the front and i would wear that with a waistcoat oh my skinny jeans and converse and yeah it was it was a it was a look i had several waistcoats I was obsessed with sticking chains on things. Oh, like, cool. You know, but like, I'd even like rip apart like necklaces and like rip yeah. them And like, I had no idea what punk was. I was just kind of like, this is really cool. Yeah. I want to do this. Or like, I cut like the neck out of t-shirts and I'd like paint stuff on them. I was really weird and I had no friends in school. <laughs> and I wondered why, but like, um, like I think as well, around that time I had like, what I'd wear to like my, my like gig clothes were a pair of like, I'd wear like sheer black tights kind of and I had like a pair of black shorts and I'd wear a black t-shirt that either I had drawn on myself or had bought cool. somewhere like, and I had the fringe I insisted on the fringe I never had like the full face covering fringe okay. I had like a side fringe the same one I have now I've yep. had that since I was 13 Aww. I just shaved off the other side of my head <laughs> that's the only change that's happened since but that was like my thing and then I kind of graduated into wearing boots but I'd always wear boots with like skirts like floral skirts whatever and then I got into like tartan um my style has not changed since I was about 17 18 and what about piercings because you have your nose pierced now but did you have any like facial piercings no. anything like that when you were I literally <laughs> I didn't even have my ears pierced because oh okay I was like talked out of doing my mother didn't like ear piercings and okay she was like but if you get them done and they get infected you have to take care of it yourself and now i'm like ear infections are not that bad i've had one yeah you know not fun but not the worst thing in the yeah. world either so i didn't get my ears pierced till i was 18 and then i got a second in my right ear and then i got my cartilage done and then i got my nose pierced and i still want more yeah i'm just like getting old <laughs> but like we an aging been, emo <laughs> i'm kind of geriatric but like we wouldn't have been allowed that in school either. So like, oh yeah, I saw that. That was like that was why the American kids were so cool in MySpace and stuff because they had all these piercings and nobody was gonna say no, you can't. See, I was homeschooled for fifth and sixth year, so I forgot that school uniform rules were a thing. Yeah, me ma let me do whatever I wanted. Yeah. See, like, <laughs> you weren't allowed to dye our hair in natural colors. Remember, actually, there was a girl who, who like had her head shaved and like she dyed her hair pink, but because she wasn't allowed to wear it in school, she'd wear a wig in school oh wow and it was like absolute fucking commitment creative yeah creative way of doing but, like if you had your nose pierced and you got caught by the principal like she'd make you take it out in front of her 
Like, ah. nose piercings, I've passed out during my nose piercing. In fairness, I don't know what happened. I think it might have been a chronic illness thing. Like, yeah. just my blood pressure just dropped. Okay. And I felt really sick, and then I had a panic attack, and they were like... Like, I'll go back, it's kind of cruel. Like, if your parents are allowing you to have your nose pierced, and you're a 16, 17-year-old, you know, even younger, the school should allow it. I, I think it's a bit ridiculous. And, like, especially as you need parental permission to go get piercing. I mean, like, and that shit's expensive. People didn't, but like, you know, for for like legally, you needed parental yeah. permission. For the most part, I'm sure parents eventually gave in, and then the school was like, take this book out. I don't know. This shit has been going on since yeah. forever. Like the book that I mentioned in last week's episode by um, Lorraine LeBlanc, like she, in the foreword, she talked about being kicked out of school in 1996 at like the height of like satanic punk panic. <laughs> so, um, she got kicked out for having a mohawk and for wearing a t-shirt that said eat dirt and die and like she'd worn it to school oh my many god times and the principal in the same day was like you need to not wear that shirt in again and she must have been like i've worn it before and he pulled her out of class and called her mother and then they were like yeah you're scaring people with your hair like <laughs> oh my god need to leave so they like kicked her out of school and like i feel like that if opinions haven't changed in 40 fucking no. years and like 80s or 40 years ago. I know. We were just talking so about weird. that off pod. It's just mad to think. When I think of 20 years ago, I don't think of 1999. I think of the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's really weird to me that you're like, well, if in 40 years, subculture expression is still like, you need to wear a uniform, you need to do whatever. Like, it's kind of like people always look down on people who go to college and then they dye their hair and they get all these piercings and they dress like whatever way they want and then they're like you're getting tattoos and you're going to get an office job even though attitudes to that are changing yeah it's like that is because they never got to experiment with this shit when they were in their teens yeah and like i know a lot of people listening are probably like like rules are rules and if you're working wherever it's whatever but it's still like you have these kids who want a way to express themselves and you're being actively told no you can't Mm. And I find that so strangely prescriptive to say, like, you need to all look the same, even though you don't. Like, yeah. You're not, you're wearing the same uniform, but you don't look the same. Nobody, like, everybody's different. Yeah. And then, like, how is a piercing impacting your ability to learn? And it seems to just come from this yeah. belief that, like, piercings or hair, like, hair colours or whatever. Are we were told they look trashy and we're like, don't do that to, like, teenage girls. Like, don't tell teenage girls. Yeah. Anything, like, don't don't do that because that's implying like a sexualization kind of thing and like you can't sexualize 16 year olds sorry um but it does seem to be doing this thing of like you know if you have piercings then they're going to start like bringing the school down and that's not true which is why i feel like now like i said i was homeschooled so i didn't really have this whole if you burn down your school you also burn down i burned down my house i yeah i actually never got flagged like that until a couple of years ago like about actually being homeschooled i'm kind of like it was such a sensitive topic for me yeah. but i'm kind of like over it um so you can slag me all you want and just it was my mom teaching me by the way i did have actual tutors um because some people are curious about that but i didn't really have the idea of oh i can't do this because i had like wild hair colors when i was a teenager didn't have any piercings if i wasn't such a little pussy about things i definitely would have got my nose pierced i really wanted my lips pierced like uh what's called snake bites yeah. oh my god i really wanted snake bites all i wanted when i was a teenager was snake bites to repeat what my friend stevie said you're not 14 <laughs> i'm not 14 but i wish like i had i wasn't so afraid of needles that i could have done that when i was younger to express myself yeah because i feel like now i just i just wouldn't do it now 
Like if I had them already, maybe they might still be in. Like I really want to get my nose re-pierced. Re- re- I've let it close up twice in the past two years. Brave, brave one. But like, it, it's just funny that like now you're like, I don't really care about it when it's like it was such a big deal when you were a teenager. Yeah. Because every like your your subculture, your music, everything was so important. Yeah. yeah. That it was so important to be like, I want to look like that. Yeah. And like who cared you know what I mean like, yeah it was it was literally being told like even if your parents were like I don't give a shit if teachers are saying or principals are saying or like random rules are saying no you can't then it's it's ridiculous like I even remember going on holidays as a teenager and obviously I wanted to stick so rigidly to my emo uniform of black skinny jeans and converse and black t-shirts and death and doom and blah but when I go away I still wanted to be like the emo kid like I still wanted to like say that like knock of the tan because I'm emo and I'm pale <laughs> I sparkle in the sunlight and I still do I, yeah and I still and I struggle so much with like putting on a floral dress with a with a cardigan like I was so morally against bringing a cardigan for even breeze when I'd go away in holidays because like that's not emo it's not emo enough um and I find it so hard to try and express myself with with out having my emo uniform I guess yeah but it would have been quite like you in the sense that I had an eclectic taste I guess in clothes um I didn't have the confidence to wear them because I was a size 18 and Kerrang didn't show anybody like mine and I felt like I couldn't dress the way that Hayley Williams was dressing or the way that Cassidy Pope was dressing or even Jared Way was dressing because I didn't have the same body type I just thought it would look silly on me because I had boobs um, but I think that's really interesting because mm. like yours was like from a genuine thing of like I'm actually not seeing my body represented yeah. here whereas like at that around that same time I was in a smaller body but I was still feeling that same pressure and it's like yours makes far more sense because you actually yeah. weren't seeing anything and mine was just from a place of like I believed I needed to look a certain way to be able to like fit in and to express myself and I think that's something people still go through now and that's why a lot of people don't really understand the difference between the body positivity movement and the like self-love yeah yeah that like self-love is distinct from body positivity because body positivity literally was created by fat black women yeah to go like please stop like oppressing us so yeah so kind of for anyone who wouldn't really know who's listening like Courtney and I would be really into kind of the culture of hating diet culture and I guess we know a lot about body positivity and stuff like that so yeah. anyone who's listening is curious self-love I guess is the idea of loving yourself for who you are whereas body positivity is for marginalized bodies people yeah, who are fat shamed people who are um Not are treated medical, differently yeah. because of their size um so, like, by society or by medical professions yeah and the best way of knowing is like you know you're everybody is entitled to self-love Yes. But like body positivity, it's like, well, if you can go to the doctor and not be afraid they're going to tell you to lose weight instead of listening to your concerns, if you can go to the beach and not have people laugh at you, like laughing at you, or like a fear of people laughing at you because of what you're wearing, um, like if you're not like under threat of like not getting hired for a job or not, you know, stuff yeah. happening to you because of your body size. or not fitting in a seat somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It is if you live without that fear, then self love is for you. Whereas body positivity is for people who actively fear these things because the world is geared towards thin people. Thinner bodies, yeah. um, And I think a really interesting thing about emo is like, um, in a, a book that I took, we talked last week about me going to the library and getting random books out. I found a book called Style Tribes by Caroline Young. Okay. And it's basically like, it covers all the subcultures mm. from 
the last like 120 years pretty much so from like the 1900s onwards um and she described emo as being a cross-gender style where girls rejected high heels for trainers and makeup was also used by boys gender lines were blurred as boys showed unmanly emotional vulnerability unmanly is in inverted commas yeah um wore bruises like dark eyeliner pink eyeshadow and black nail polish and chose punky skinny jeans that were originally only available in girls lines but what i think is really interesting is when they talk about cross-gender styles they're talking about androgynous body types but when they say androgynous body types they actually mean unisex and i found this yeah. really interesting because when like another thing we're really interested in is like looking at gender yeah so when people say that they're non-binary people picture somebody who you look at them you can't tell if they're male or female mm-hmm. um and like people are like well that's that's the definition of androgyny so when somebody says they're non-binary i think a lot of people expect that they're going to look a certain way that you're going to look at them like could they be male could they be female we don't know oh it makes sense that you're neither or that you're both or whatever um but the idea is like what non-binary actually is is an absence of either or a combination of both yes of the current binary genders or it's something else entirely yeah so when you look at like people calling emo a cross-gender thing you're talking about tall thin like you're talking about a body that it will be typically look like the binary of male yeah as opposed to and that's the standard as opposed to it being the binary of female with boobs and curves or whatever and that being the standard yeah okay exactly yeah Yeah. that's what i mean so and it's like when people talk about like um non-gendered clothes they're often like boxy t-shirts and like geared towards invert commas males yeah, but yeah. they're yeah, they're geared towards like a male body type. Yeah. Um and like there are yeah. there are non binary and like this is not to disrespect anybody who is non binary who fits that body type. This is literally like the what we consider to be things are rooted in a kind of a male The male is the default. Yeah, exactly. So when people It's kinda of yeah. saying like mankind, man is the default. Yeah. Um yeah. So like even the like, idea that like men were wearing girls' jeans, it's like yeah, there used to be, like, this big joke, I feel like, in all those, like, I guess, like, piss-take emo songs, where, like, oh, you borrowed those jeans from your sister. Like, because <laughs> I couldn't get them tight enough in the men's section. Yeah, like, yeah. And, like, it was, like, around that same time when all of these jeans were becoming really popular, um, it was, like, skater jeans were in. So they were, like, oh, we need to buy them from the girls' section because we need to wear them, like, two sizes too small and then whatever. But it's, like, really focusing on this very specific type of, of body that mm-hmm. was present in my can present in fucking like that's what Pete Wentz looked like that's what the guys in Altamont looked like for fucking years and years and years and it was just this like what I described as like a straight up down like yeah like model-esque body in the sense that it is very thin yeah and like you can wear anything and it doesn't matter you could be wearing a skirt and it wouldn't matter because people would be like, like that's androgynous everything is yeah. unisex if you think like if you think about it the idea of women's wear versus men's wear it's like no everything is like my boyfriend bought a pair of trousers from the women's section in new look because he was like these are really fucking cool and they don't have anything like it in the men's section and he was like kind of self-conscious about it i was like everything's unisex yeah it's you know what i mean like it's just wear whatever you want wear whatever the fuck you want but there has been times that i've gone shopping in the men's section to buy t-shirts oh yeah same and men go is this the men's section and I'm like, does it fucking say men's on top there? Yeah, it does. Just because I'm a woman picking up things. Exactly. Like, I feel like it's more accepted for us to swap over. Well, 
yeah. uh, female identifying people to kind of swap over and buy stuff that is geared towards the male body yeah. than it is for then, men to like men kind of panic it was like this thing of like I was picking up t-shirts and he was like but these are men's t-shirts and I'm like no they're not they're just t-shirts <laughs> t-shirts that happen to come in bigger this sizes top I'm wearing at the moment men's section this is like I'm wearing like a unisex t-shirt right now like and that's but when you buy band merch it is unisex yeah. Courtney's outfit by the way today very emo very perfect for recording this episode I must okay. say she's wearing a beautiful uh a-line I guess yeah, like a red skirt, skirt yeah. and a black t-shirt with the devil who has three or four eyes <laughs> I think <laughs> an, an unknown number of eyes an unknown number of eyes and it's just really cool Nemo I, I, I wore it to Saturday for Styling. You. I'm wearing tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> she also got dressed especially for me. So yes. I really appreciate that. But like, if you think about, I guess, iconic bands and like, singers throughout the year, like there's um, Caroline mentioned Arlo Levine as like the new pop star on the block and she was kind of the closest thing to an emo girl pop star that we had. And I think that's kind of true in terms of like the most mainstream thing you can think of. Mm-hmm. But, like, her thing was, like, she was wearing, like, skater shoes and skater trousers. And, like, she'd wear, like, you know, ties and t-shirts and waistcoats and shit. And it was still, again, it was, like, oh, my God, cool girl wearing men's clothes. Yeah. And it, it, that was what the whole thing focused on. Like, I do think now we're moving away from this. I feel like this was necessary for us to kind of establish that there is there doesn't need to be, like, a you can wear men's clothes or women's clothes. Like we're we're getting to a point in society where you just wear whatever the fuck you want. Just wear you want. Yeah. Like I still think there's like backlash from it. Like look at fucking Jonathan Van Ness. Um, yeah. He's been saying you know he's been wearing fucking dresses and skirts everywhere. He and he heels. heels. Yeah. And you know that was all fine. It was like oh look at the nice gay man doing whatever. And then when he was like on, he's still going with he him. Um. But or she her he doesn't actually mind. But he's he came in as non-binary. Yeah. And people were like, whoa, hang on now. And it was like, you were fine with him being a gay man wearing a skirt. But as soon as there, he's like, I don't have a, I don't fit into a binary anymore. Do you have a problem with it? And it's like, just people just can't seem to wrap their heads around the idea that like male versus female isn't all we have. Yeah. Yeah. Like people just genuinely can't get their heads around it. And yeah. it's really interesting to me. And I think a lot of it comes from this idea that, like, when we think androgynous, we think, could we either or? But kind of like that, that model-esque thing, mm. thing where you're like, you're kind of feminine, kind of masculine. What we, nobody knows. But even if we look at Jeffree Star, who started out on MySpace as a huge emo star, um, or scene queen. And I was watching, Courtney recommended a couple of episodes ago that I watch the series with Jane, Shane Dawson. And I did. I watched it the other day. And even in the episode, he's like, I'm not a he, I'm not a she, I'm just a Jeffrey. And I was like, that is yeah. pretty cool. Because like, Shane asked, I think. What I think Shane what asked, yeah. He, he, yeah, yeah. Some people say it's she, some people say he. And Jeffrey was literally like, I don't care. Yeah, he was like, I don't care, I'm just a Jeffrey. Um, which I thought was really cool. Because yeah. there's like, obviously before he used to present masks, He's he's le- like I guess less masculine than he was before, and I guess even it was more like drag style. I yes, exactly, exactly. And there's this idea I guess now in in this this the year that God giveth twenty nineteen we have these words to describe non binary. Yeah. We understand gen. If you asked me ten years ago, like even five years ago, to yeah. like 
talk about gender i wouldn't have a clue i'd be like what there's more there's more than two genders people don't feel like they're just one or the other like obviously i understood like trans rights and trans issues and stuff like that but i didn't really get that there could be more than just two genders and Um, i think this is why when people are trying to present this idea that there is more than two genders that when people are like well explain trans people then and you're like okay like i mentioned this in the last episode gina dawson is a trans woman who wrote a book called the gender games and if you have any questions about gender fucking read it Mm -hmm. because it's brilliantly broken down but she does this really great job of explaining how she believes that there's more than two genders she understands it's kind of wild for her to go i believe that there's like a non-binary and like gender doesn't really matter and it's a whole social construct that we've made up that like from the second you're born somebody has decided you're male or female you are now your life path is going to go as such yeah um and her point was that she understands that as a trans person she doesn't believe in the binary but still wanted to not be in the binary she was assigned because she's kind of said like in our society we haven't quite gotten to the point where mm. and um like you know where this is exactly where we should be yes yeah, so she thinks that we're now maybe 20 years behind where we should be in terms of understanding trans issues so mm-hmm. like in 20 years time we're gonna look back and go like what the fuck are people doing like yeah. why the fuck did we think there was only two genders why the fuck did we think like, yeah did we have an issue with non-binary people why the fuck did we have an issue with like I think this is where emo or where emo fashion especially kind of trumps all other subcultures or other fashion trends is because there was that was my first experience anyway with um even seeing bisexual men um yeah. or seeing men use eyeliner and nail polish and to me that was just like yeah like doesn't matter like their nails aren't gonna accepted. like do you know what I mean? It yeah. was so accepted amongst emo people. You were like, oh my god, they're emo, they have nail polish on. Like it was never like a oh you're a dude, what are you doing? It was like, oh yeah. my god, that's that's cool. Or that dude wearing eyeliner, he's clearly emo. Yeah. Um, and like it was problematic. We've talked about this to fucking death at this point. We've done two episodes on misogyny. Yeah. Episode four and episode eight. Yeah. Um and we've talked a lot about how like there was a lot of issues in emo. And I do think at the time, you know, like there was a lot of slurs thrown around. So bisexual men were called like the F word and I don't mean fuck. And yeah. like, you know, there was all these like things thrown out there about showing that vulnerability that still wasn't really accepted. But now I think looking back on it, it was, it was a moment in time when stuff started to shift where like people were allowed to show emotions. People were, were expected to go, yeah. I have depression, I have anxiety, I have bipolar, I have whatever, and I'm emo and whatever. Um, so I think it was a really important thing mm-hmm. to have happen. No, and definitely. I think part of it came from like the fashion. But just on that point that you said about how it's like a one of the most what was the word you said about it, like the most different subculture. Don't make me think about what I said two minutes ago, Courtney, because <laughs> so I can't remember. Well, think back to what Coda said about like how it's different or something a few minutes Accepting? ago. Accepting. Accepting. The most important. You said something about like um yeah I don't know. I used know. a smart word. You did. Oh, no, I don't she remember it. Really point, but I actually <laughs> wanted to go back a little bit to the freaking 70, late 70s, 80s. So and in the 80s, there was the punk movement, as we know. And that kind of grew out of, um, this is in, from Caroline Young's book and also from Lorraine LeBlanc's book, which I'm not finished reading, but I'll get there. Um, so she kind of explained that punk came out of like skinheads. So skinheads were like anarchists. Basically. So this came out of like the anti was the anti Reagan, yeah. So punk was like the anti Reagan shit. Okay. So um the idea that they 
have put forward is that the years that Ronald Reagan was president in the United States was what caused punk to happen because people were so angry. <laughs> they wanted somewhere to go where they could beat each other up in like safety kind of and scream about messages and talk about needing to change. So this is where punk music's come from. Yes. We're also heading into a punk revival, which I want to talk about in a future episode. This is why, yeah, this is why emo is coming back in 2019 because fuck the Irish government. <laughs> people are very sad. Yes. <laughs> we're sad and angry all at the same time. Um, but at the same time, so while punk was happening this was like very like anarchist there was all this resistance there were all these protests there was all these like attitudes there was like and at this there was like resistance to the idea of punk yeah but um at the same time you had new romantics or blitz kids in london okay and so this was like 1978 onwards and the new romantics were kind of based off like glam rock i think so like people like david bowie yeah. inspired this so they had this thing of like they'd wear like pirate kind of clothes they wear like sailor outfits so it's like this real kind of french pirate like m- like military type thing so they have all these like like old french like versailles like renaissance not renaissance but like versailles like these like brocade kind of okay, rich yeah. fabrics or like um like military style jackets but with the double breasting on them and like they have like gold thread running through them so, so ca- kind of anything like the my chemical romance yeah, ones okay. like them. Um, which is the point i'm getting to which is that like, sorry this was, no, okay. <laughs> jump at the gun cloud of jesus uh, no but like it was this real kind of glamorous high fashion kind of thing where like designers were making stuff so vivian westwood was making stuff so she was also making punk clothes but she was also kind of acknowledging this thing where like they'd wear a lot of theatrical kind of style makeup mm. they'd kind of have like Marilyn Monroe hair but they'd also have these like high fashion kind of it's really hard to describe I think I don't necessarily have all the words to do it um, but think like Bowie yeah that kind of like glam rock really theatrical really Pete Burns kind of yeah I think like just like something different I guess that stood out from punk it was still like a subculture in itself um, but it was like short lived so they did kind of like a pirate theme but when you think about how emo kind of grew out of punk and the new romantics era yeah so you have like these theatrical looks like panic at the disco emo but like very new romantic style yeah so kind of like frilled shirt those jackets that they wore the waistcoats all this shit that they were wearing all the fucking paisley that brian ross was yeah rocking back in the day like that was all very new romantic like these weird like dickest collars and big sleeves and like pirate boots and yeah suits that kind of thing um and then you have like the military style that was in the black parade era um i feel like to define emo fashion it didn't just come out of punk because a lot of stuff that we wore like the wearing yeah. black and stuff was kind of left over from that a good bit but i also think that there's a real theatrical element to it that where punk was very like we're angry we want to be seen and we want to be heard the whole concept of like emo fringes and stuff and like wearing like dark makeup was like you're shy and you're like you're introverted you're, and yeah, you don't want people to look at you yeah yeah um in karen's book she had a quote from a 15 year old who'd say that um she wasn't she wouldn't say she was depressed or over emotional but she is shy um so like emo was a way of expressing herself through clothes and makeup mm-hmm. so i do think while it's quite attention grabbing yeah like you can you could at the time pick one out of a lineup like you go that's an emo whereas like they're hiding it's very like you know this is how i communicate that i'm introverted and i'm shy and, and I don't, don't talk to me, me. <laughs> don't talk to me 
but also like I see you and you see me yeah so I do think it's like kind of a, a like nobody has really looked at this and even like Caroline's book is great but it talks a lot about stuff we've already discussed like from Andy Greenwald's book um and those are articles and stuff that we've read over the last few episodes so there doesn't seem to be like how did how did this get here how did we end up here and I do think it did come as like this like love child of the new romantic punks kind of growing into this brand subculture of yeah. its own um but I don't know where the skinny jeans thing came from because at the time like skater shoes and skater jeans were kind of all in and that was like that kind of movement so like you think about like the soundtrack to fucking Tony Hawk games yeah like that music was all popular at the same time as emo was getting its its movement so it, it does seem to be like was it theatrical for for men to wear girls jeans was that like part of it that like look at me i'm non-conforming because i'm literally doing this thing that i'm not supposed to do yeah i can see that one particle of unatanium has a nuclear reaction with a flux capacitor carry the two changing its atomic isotoner into a radioactive spider yes science So for Science Bitch this week, I found a paper by this girl, Katie Schmidt. She wrote it. Um, it's called Exploring Dress and Behaviour of the Emo Subculture. So this went in, this is just a dissertation I think she wrote for her state university. But I thought it was really cool and I thought it was worthy of a science bitch. Um, so the whole point of it was to talk about emo subculture, but she talked all about emo fashion. So her, and I think this is just, in all the literature that I'm mm. reading about this, like you could define punk, you could define new romantics, you could define all this stuff, but people still struggle with defining what emo actually is. Um, so her point was that people disowned the term emo. So despite the resistance to identification of emo kids, it's fairly easy to recognize a young person, typically a teenager, although sometimes reaching beyond into early adulthood, who fits the classification of emo kid and somebody described emo boys as the mods of the millennium so mods were like i think alex turner in Arctic monkeys yeah um that's mod basically yeah um so black hair sweeping dramatic bangs heavy eyeliner and tailored clothing um and then this other girl said that emo was like a fluctuation between goth and emo yeah yeah so it's like somewhere in between the like he's in like she doesn't see it as like the sweeping bangs eyeliner thing she sees it as somewhere like yeah it's always yeah. i find as well that it's ha- like the lines between goth and emo ha- are definitely blurred yeah. somewhere along the way um like some people could argue that marlon manson's emo i'm sure he would argue against him strongly. <laughs> yeah sure he would hit me in my face if i said that to him if i ever got close enough to marlon manson to have a conversation jesus and <laughs> um, i still my favorite ever like i have i have never seen him perform but I was at the Kerrang Awards in 2015. Wow. Um, because they did, it was like the first time they allowed people in. To buy tickets? Yeah. Oh, cool. So um, he was presenting and he was up doing, talking about like whatever. And um, Jack Barakat from All Time Low was really drunk and he got up with his phone and he went up and he was like, can I get a selfie? And Marlon went, no, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Was it was beautiful. It was so funny. I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing I'm so was he sorry. on stage when this was happening I don't know if it was like I can't remember quite okay so he didn't like stage I'm, bomb him or no, no 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 okay. this was just like I don't know if he got up to accept an award or if it was like in an interval or something he went up and was like can we get a selfie and then Marlon was like no absolutely not oh brilliant um, but anyway that was I digress 
This girl said that emo was kind of like gothic light. To me, emo means not knowing how to deal with the large amount of emotions that raged through adolescent and teenage bodies. So emo subscribing teens act as if they have no place in the world. They just don't know where they fit in and don't know how to deal with that lack of connection. And I'm like, yeah. I feel personally attacked right now. Um, so she also cited Andy Greenwald. I feel like we just touched on the only books that exist. Um, but there's very few. Yeah. Until yeah. there's the kids from yesterday podcast well, maybe book. it may not happen it should happen um she kind of went on to say that most kids who appear emo are not willing to identify as emo and i do remember that back in the day being like i wanted so badly to look like those emo kids i wanted so badly to wear the clothes i wanted so badly for people to see my clothes yeah as being reflective of that emo style and i was also like remember emo like <laughs> what, was the, what was the point in that so you know. were you were an emo who was like i'm not emo Yes, yeah, so like me and my friends would joke about like, oh, we're so emo. But then if somebody else was like, you guys are so emo, I'd be like, no, I'm not. Okay, no, me and my friends, I think as far as I remember, we definitely embraced the term, but we felt like we were more emo. Okay. I, I see that. But now I'm like, I'm fucking emo. Yeah, I am an emo. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is, like, I feel like that was really based on an Americanized thing. And we keep yeah. saying this on this podcast that in Ireland, it all melded together. It did. One. There wasn't room for people to be like, no, you're a scene kid. No, you're goth. No, you're whatever. It yeah. was all like, you're all fucking weird and we don't like you. That was kind of the overarching, like... And as well, I yeah. think the whole thing of people being like, you know, like not wanting to identify yourself as emo kind of goes back to your favourite band, such as my camp, not wanting to take that phrase yeah. on or that label on. nobody knew what it meant, but it was provocative. But uh, Yes, but every like, we, we know what it means, but we don't know what it means. Yeah, and it was... And like no wonder. I and mean, like I feel the way people describe it is really reductive. Like whenever we keep seeing emo is an internet band, you're like, God, that's such a weird way of describing it. Yeah. But then you think like people go, SoundCloud rappers, and it's the same. Yeah. Like Lil Peep was a fucking is like was a SoundCloud rapper, and yet he's like, you know, up there is like the the future mo- movement of the fourth wave of emo. Yeah. Like he's not around anymore, but it's still like he was still dismissed as. Ugh, Sanctuary rapper, but I just I just had a quick look at what the dictionary definition of emo is, um, and it says here it's a noun, a style of rock music resembling punk, but having more complex arrangements and lyrical lyrics that deal with more emotional subjects. Okay. Which I'm like, oh my god, dictionary, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dictionary, you get me. You get me. Yeah, I can see that. And. Um, the other thing Shreds was saying in this is she went on to say that um, a major influence on emo was glam rock. So that was like I yeah, I can see that as well. Stuff and I'm like, hi, science people, you agree with me? That's mm-hmm. so cool. Um, so she referenced a piece where they said Bowie in particular achieved some kind of cult status in the '70s. He attracted a mass youth, which created a new sexually ambiguous image for those youngsters willing and brave enough to challenge the notoriously pedestrian stereotypes who are eventually available to working class men and women. So like Bowie in particular was very yeah very subversive. I think he just didn't give a shit. Like he just wore whatever what he wanted. wanted. Like it was just it was whatever. And I think this grew out of that in a lot of ways. That same theatrical glam rock thing, but with a different sound. Yeah, because I definitely feel like the 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 clothes were there was just such a massive part of being emo and being accepted yeah. by other emos um was the like 
and getting to express yourself because like we said earlier on about you know in school you had to wear a uniform you had to wear this and it was hard to kind of I guess the only ways of knowing who was an emo and who wasn't in school was wristbands or hairbands or there there were different ways nail varnish things like that yeah it was like very you know oh do you wear converse whenever you can get it like you can because we weren't even fucking allowed to wear them in school and no. i was like but how are people supposed to know how are people emo? supposed to know emo i had an emo for the for the few years i was in school i had um a converse backpack which i still have and i'm gonna bring it to college and i go back to college in september and i'm gonna solidify myself as the emo of the class i didn't get to do it in school so i'm gonna do it, do it now you can be like i have a podcast actually you guys if you want to listen to it <laughs> Um, the other thing she quoted was a dude called Andy Bennett and he wrote this in the forgotten decade rethinking the popular music of the 70s again of FOE was that artists associated with glam rock certainly had emulators among their fan base from a fan's point of view the glam image was only attainable up to a certain point so typically makeup and hairstyle but the cost of materials and craftsmanship involved in the production of glam rock costumes putting them beyond the affordability of glam fans but she seems to think that emo kids differed drastically um, because for emo kids being authentic and revealing that so authentic that bearing with one's emotions rather than hiding them were rewarded or expected um, that was the norm so like she seems to think that like the, the difference for glam rock is that it was all a theatrical put on thing that like on stage only yeah. you are your persona and then off stage you can do whoever you want and it was because it's like you're wearing a costume Whereas for emo kids, I think it was like expected that like you always dress like this. Whenever you get the chance, you have the hair, you have the clothes. Yeah. Like you wear your hoodie in 30 degree heat because you can. Yeah. No, that's definite. And do you know, one of my least favorite things about emo fashion, (sighs) fingerless gloves. Oh, What was the fucking point? How would they keep your hands warm? They didn't. That was not the point. I had fingerless lace gloves. I had fingerless okay, that's cool. leather gloves. I had fingerless... I still wear fingerless gloves in winter. I want my fingers free. I just... Like, I can understand, oh, this is great because touchscreens. Yes. But you can get gloves now with magical fingertips on them. Yeah, of course you can. Have you tried to fucking type with those? You're like, oh, did you, did you mean to fucking smash your face into the thing? But, Yeah. Um, those and check scarves didn't get it, didn't like it. I had a check scarf as well. I'm so sorry. I, I actually have them as well, but I never wore it. It was like a pink and black check scarf. It was like it was like Pete Wentz's so one cool. that he wore. And you know the the, the black and yeah. the white one. I had like a pink, like a like a hot pink and black oh, version of that. Um, me now that's so cool, but also I don't get a coin. I don't get it. No, I, I mean I never liked wearing it because I was like, this is so pointless. My neck is so hot. <laughs> and it's it's not warm enough to wear in the winter either. Because it's like, not wool. No, it was it was it was just effectively pointless. Exactly, like um, fingerless gloves. This is the hill I will die on. So the final point I think that she made in this that's pertinent to our discussion about fashion is that a book called Subculture the Meaning of Style didn't provide specific insights into emo subculture, it does explain how subcultures formed as responses to mainstream. So what is normal or expected one day can shift in its reception to the next. Um, forms cannot be permanently normalised, they can always be deconstructed, demystified. Moreover, commodities can be symbolically repossessed in everyday life and endowed with implicitly oppositional messages by the very groups that originally produced them. 
So they seem to think, or she seems to think that in emo skinny jeans become repossessed and endowed with implicit meanings when boys and girls both wear them. Whereas like people like goths who wear like dog collars and like fishnets and stuff, like they're, they're just making a statement. So it's like the yeah. actual item means something when it's within the context of the thing. So like her point was that okay. you know, if just just a beaver had, had emo hair, oh, what well, do you have? The fucking helmet head. Yes, he did. But like it wasn't... He wasn't wearing dog cool. collars. And like it wasn't, it wasn't emo. He, he's not emo. And like he just had hair. It wasn't like he was wearing purple hoodies and shit. People were like, well, that's not emo. Even though if somebody goes describe emo, they'll go, well, side fringe and this and this. Yeah. And like Justin Bieber has a side fringe. But he's not emo. Yeah. So, um. He did bring my beloved Cobra Starship out on tour with him once. Did he? Yes. They opened for him. Um, I think it was either a US or South American tour. Um, yeah, and gave his friend of friends of the beeps. That's this was back like. That's like fun. This is back, back yeah, like back when Bieber was like on his first album. Okay, so he was able to do shit like that. Yeah, but it was just you know that was his hair, and you know I suppose that's a. That's kind of thrown me for a loop now. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. You can't put him in a box. Though. What have you done? <laughs> I do think actually I realised that from the um, Lorraine the Blank book that I was talking about mm. earlier as well, so we're kind of going off science bitch topic, but... Yeah, so sorry. Like, I just no, have all these fine. random facts. That's fine. We're, we're cool. Facts Such are Such as I hate... We love facts. Gloves. Finger you gloves. gloves. <laughs> I hate gloves. Um, that same book said that um, resistance may be conducted at a, at a level beneath the consciousness of the individual members of a particular subculture. So, like, the point they were making was that, like, we don't know. Like, did people think they were subverting gender stereotypes when they wore girls' skinny jeans? Probably fucking not. It was just, like, that's the style. That's yeah. what I want to look like. Did I want to express myself in a certain way? Like, did I know that's what I was trying to do? I was trying to express my individuality. Not really. I just wanted piercings. I just wanted yeah. cool hair. I just want You know, like, there was no purpose to it. So, it seemed to be operating, like, below the actual like a conscious level and I guess because like I was like a 14 year old so I don't I mean they're, they're like 14 year olds now are far smarter than I could ever have hoped to be and they're so much more aware but I think for me at 14 I was so not really paying attention to what was happening so I think I, I'm still going through that phase <laughs> if I'm not paying attention to what's happening I don't know what's going on uh, no but same and I maybe we're looking you know we're not giving ourselves enough credit maybe we think 14 year olds now are really smart and we were too but you know but then again like I said in the last episode I was still eating grass at that stage so <laughs> you know <laughs> oh I have heard of um, a 12 year old like niece of a friend of mine who's like reading like she loves social justice books or like issues books and I'm like you're not even so good yeah exactly and I'm like you're awesome and like that's shit that I never would have thought of but like you know she has access to the internet she has access to like YouTube like yeah, bookstagrammers are like you know like you have access to all this stuff and stuff that I feel like now if we had access then to this podcast or to like other educational podcasts I wish that those you know those rebel, or bedtime stories for rebel girls and stuff yeah. like that and they I was in a bookshop in Manchester uh, last week the week before and they had like a, a flashcard game of like all these amazing women like Frida Kahlo and Maya Angelou and all these people and it was like the game was a family game of like 
I think it was some sort of guest who like you have to name who's on the flashcard. And I was like, oh my God, like I want somebody to play this game with me. Even now I want to learn who all these people are. But I wish I had those books Yeah. then. Like, Completely just, off topic, just, by the way. But. but it's not, it's still relevant because I feel like, like even with the subculture challenged so much, yeah. I feel like now looking back on it with the context that I have now as an adult who's interested in gender studies, who's interested in like feminist studies, who's interested in subculture studies, I have bought so many subculture books, it's not <laughs> even funny, we haven't even got to like, we're going to have plenty of content, oh, yeah. I just keep borrowing shit from the library, and they're like, what's wrong with her? Um, that's the overarching, oh it's you, you're back again, here's your weird books you've borrowed. I've actually finally joined the library in Dublin, Woo. and I'm very excited, I have my first book on hold, but I have to go in and like, get the book so they trust me with more books. That's, it's okay. So I'm very excited about that. It's a 40 minute walk. I can't wait to pull a Matilda. Matilda? Yeah, Matilda and walk to the library and bring yeah. back my little, my little trolley of books, you know. You're gonna do it. You're gonna have the best time ever reading all the, all the fun stuff that I'm gonna make you read. I'm like, no, you need to get this book. You need to read this book. But that's, that, this is actually off topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think I wouldn't have had the interest I do now in stuff if we didn't have that. Yeah. I do think with the context that we've had, so like, you know, we've talked before about how emo is like subverted, like gender, it's subverted style, it's subverted, um, like, heteronormativity, really, mm-hmm. because there was such a, and we talked about this in the um, pop culture episode, um, we'd mentioned Dan Hell's video, he, did, yeah. he came out after like 10 years of being a YouTuber, and he did like a whole video called Basically I'm Gay, which is great and you should watch it if you have 40 minutes because it's very long but it's really informative and he had a whole section where he talked about how like he was questioning his sexuality emo came along and he was like amazing i can I've now say here. Well, yeah but he was like i can now say i'm bisexual so i get to be gay and normal oh. and it was like obviously that's not his opinion on it now that's nobody's opinion on bisexuality now but yeah. it was at that time it gave gay kids and lgbtq kids who were questioning this stuff like a place that they could go where you're like, it's actually fine for me to say this. Yeah. If I don't say I'm gay, then like, you know, people are just going to be like, well, I, I don't have an opinion on bisexual, so. Yeah. I'm not going to beat you up for being gay because you're something else entirely. Yeah. But I do think because of all these things, I have far different opinions on, and like, I'm far more open to things mm-hmm. now than I would have been if yeah. I'd been involved in like, I don't know, the Justin Bieber fandom or whatever. Yeah, like, I definitely feel the same. I feel like if I when I kind of when I got into emo music my mind opened up a lot more because I had never seen like I said before I'd never seen uh, male bisexual representation I'd never seen the kind of the fluidity of guy liner or men wearing clothes that were made for aimed at females um, or female identifying people and it's it definitely as well opened me up to a lot of different things and I'm so grateful that we had this kind of amazing subculture because yeah. not saying that you know oh if you were into Justin Bieber you're you know you you're probably a had a completely yeah you probably had a completely different experience yeah um like, I had like different I see, issues to deal with I see all the people who are into K-pop and I'm like K-pop's cool and it's fun and you get to do all these things but it's so entrenched in diet culture and I'd like wonder about people who are involved in it it's like well are all your, I mean I've seen stuff on Tumblr where people mm. are like dangerously entrenched in it and it's like this is like thin spo shit and it's just it's come up on like my dash or whatever and i'm like whoa okay 
and it, it does seem to be like embroiled in it in a way that you're like is this what these kids are getting out of this is this the only thing they're taking away from it yeah stuff about like how your body i mean k-pop's wild i don't know if you know this about it but like they're all on these insane diets i'm not even gonna i'm not gonna talk about what they are because i don't want to give anybody any ideas yeah but they do have these like disgusting diets that they're on that you know you couldn't fuel a toddler on Jeez. what they have to eat and they are monitored every single day um there was a case with like I don't know if it was BTS or a different band where one of them collapsed, was in hospital, and then their manager, PR person, came in, pulled the fucking like IV out, and was like, "You have a shoot to do. Go do the shoot, and then you can come back to hospital." Like that's, but that's in their contract. And because like most K-pop stars, you do this for like ten years, and then or and then you join the military because everybody in Korea has to go to the military. But it's like this is like what? this like wild treatment of people. And this is what people are looking at. So I do, I do think you're right that we are really, really lucky that like, yeah, it was incredibly problematic in so many ways. You know, there was still a lot of homophobia. There's still there's so much misogyny. Oh, yeah. But we still learned from it. Yeah. And we still were given opportunities to go, you know what, that's not right. I just, I worry about people in other subcultures that are like. I knew that I'm just still a bit dumbfounded by this whole K-pop thing. I knew they were manufactured, but oh my God, that is like off the line manufacturing yeah. of a like your body is manufactured Jeez. how you look you know uh, Korea is wild I have a friend who lived there for a while and the thing is she said like the worst day for her was like she because she was giving out about a lot of stuff and she said like you see people like they get like monolith surgery so they get like an eye done they get one eye done at a time so they don't have to miss any work so they'll go from work to this like get surgery done and they'll have like eye patches on over and she said, you see that every day where they get like, there's like a thing where they want you to have like a V-shaped chin. So they go and they get like surgery. So they'd have this stuff up and they'd just be in like Starbucks or whatever buying coffee and they'd still go to work. Like it's wild. And like, I think she said like one in every four person, persons, one in every four people in Korea have like gotten some kind of cosmetic surgery done. I've seen YouTube videos where people glue their eye sockets up. To create monoliths, like I've seen, or to create not monoliths. So like, uh, yeah, to, like I would. Would they be polyps? I don't know what it's called. Anyway, it's just, yeah, Caucasian or yeah. Western-looking eyelids, yeah. um, and they would glue them up, and there was all these things you could buy on Wish, and yeah. bizarre. It's wild. But she said this day she'd been giving out this stuff, and then she was looking at a billboard, and on the billboard was this woman who had clearly been airbrushed, but she had been airbrushed so much. That she didn't have a belly button. Wow. She was like, these are now the standards for women. There is no amount of good that you can look because you have a fucking belly button. Like, she was actually, I was like, even hearing it secondhand, I was like, that is, I can't imagine. I definitely feel like, to a point though, there is certainly an aspect of that in emo culture in that there was only one body type. Oh, no. I, I'm not, like, absolutely not yeah. about it. It yeah. still messed people up, I think, to a degree. Oh, 100%. It's still a problem. It's still, like, back to what we said at the beginning of this episode, there was still a problem with fat phobia. There was still a problem with this, like, belief that you could only look good if you wore your, like, skinny jeans and you didn't have You didn't have hips hips or boobs. If you didn't have, yeah. yeah. And that's how I thought I needed to look. And I was so, so, so self-conscious about the fact that I had double D's and I wanted to not have boobs at all. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally can empathise with that and I agree with it. I just think the difference is that nobody was like, 
in, saying no, it. Yes, nobody yeah. in the media that I could see. We're saying, okay, yeah. here's it. Because definitely if they had like one of those, you know, fucking diet columns where they were like, this is what Hayley Williams eats in a week. I know I would have yeah. gone by that 100%. Oh no, absolutely. We were talking about this off pod a little yeah. while ago that like there's certain people that even up to like two years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I'll try that. I yeah. need to try that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad on that regard that, well, yeah, the overarching thing was like, you have to have this body type or you're not valid. Uh, which is a shit message for anybody to get. Mm. And I'm glad it's changing. I'm glad Hot Topic have so many plus size models. It's glorious. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like we're doing this because we want people to like get off our backs. It's like every couple of photos is a plus size or a yeah. disabled model or a plus size disabled model. And it's like... And a, like women of colour and stuff like that. And it's brilliant. Um, I actually want to go on a rampage on the Hot Topic website. I want to buy everything. I'm so sad. Like it, it, it yeah. Like you never. I remember, like obviously years ago when I wanted to buy stuff from Hot Topic, um, online you couldn't because they just didn't deliver here. Courtney reckons they do deliver here now, but it would just cost a fortune. I just want to go on a rampage. Like they even have a plus size section on their website yeah. now. Oh, that's such a thing. Gorgeous. Like in, I mean, I'm still having a problem where like I tried to follow a bunch of people on our Tumblr. Um, because I wanted to follow like a few like plus size like emos, but they're I don't know maybe I, maybe I just don't have to use Tumblr anymore. <laughs> but I actually couldn't find anybody. It's us. We're the plus size emos <laughs> now. <laughs> That's us now. Um, but like it's it's interesting that I am I know that the message we got from the people that were held up in emo, but I'm glad that that's changing. Yeah. That that's not like people weren't writing saying I didn't read it anywhere. Yes, there were emo kids who were hurting themselves with like restricted diets or with disordered eating and stuff but that wasn't the, the subculture was not that yeah you know like that was not the thing that we did the thing was like you wanted to look like them and stuff but it was more the fashion it was more the fashion that yeah it was more like i don't why don't i look straight up and down like yeah. why don't why am i a rectangle when i wear these outfits yeah. more so than well, there was kind of, I guess, a sense of, like, I want a thin body. But it was it was a totally separate issue. It was nothing to do with Yeah, it was emo. more like, I want the fashion. And then it was like, well, this fashion doesn't look right. But I think the thing about it as well, particularly here, because the only places you could buy emo clothes were, like, Asha in town. Yeah. Pretty much, like, um, people always talk about, like, how old H&M used to have. I mean, it did. Kind of, like, it did. Kid, I used to buy bits in there. Uh, you get a few few emo bits. Like, uh, you would. You get yeah. a few emo bits now. A few t-shirts. Few t-shirts. Stuff like that. But I was actually in Heaton's, uh, which you said is owned by Sports Direct now. Pretty sure, yeah. In Heaton's in Navin, a few like a couple of months ago, and they had my Chemical Romance t-shirts, and I was like, "What is going on?" I would have loved this. Like for us, being like, well, Navin's a small enough town. Um, actually, no, that's a lie. It's it's, it's a big town, but it's small in a sense that there's not there was never much there yeah. like the emo clothes you could get was you know your converse you got your skinny jeans and pennies you might have got a plaid t-shirt um i certainly didn't wear the crop tops and pennies but people would have um and then you buy your band merch your band t-shirts and that's your your uniform and there yeah. was nothing really else you could we we couldn't really buy those experimental yeah. things like from asha unless you were going up to them for a concert the big day out um and you could you could go and, and buy those bits, but do you think that it's very the, the difference for is like maybe in America it was more prescriptive, but here it was like once you wore like skinny jeans and you had a band t shirt on and you were wearing Converse and you kinda had like 
the suggestion of a fringe, people yeah. are like, you're probably emo, <laughs> it's probably fine. Yes. So, like, I think people got away with it more. And I've not got away. That's, that's a horrible way of putting it. People probably didn't feel as pressured to to be as extravagant or as yeah yeah definitely i think it was once you had like converse or vans if you had vans you were a proper goth um (laughs) nowadays everyone wears vans um posers posers if you had if you had um doc martens you were a goth I had a pair. I really want to get an, another pair. No, you need to. I remember actually, like, my first boyfriend, uh, he was a dickhead. But he used to always be like, oh, I hate docs on girls. Like, don't get a pair. And now I own four pairs. And you can go shop yourself. Yes, I had a pair. And then I was like, no, oh, no, I just feel like, oh, I'm too fat to wear these. So, which is an awful thing to be saying about myself. You also can't see my face I'm making. Like, no, Cloda. I was so that. horrible to myself. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't wear them. I have to be like skinny. And that's the only kind of body shape that can wear these boots. Because they're kind of clunky. But now I have like an, a, a mock pair from Pennies. And I fucking love stomping around in them. I'm here. I'm emo. <laughs> I'm here. I'm emo. I'm in my boots from Pennies. Woo. <laughs> um, and that's me every morning going out in the Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and I, I've just decided, fuck it. Yeah, and I, I think that's like the, the thing that like I don't ever remember like being somewhere as like a teenager and seeing like a plus size emo and mm-hmm. going like I don't, I don't, I am sure other people did. I'm sure yeah. people had horrible attitudes, but I do not ever remember being somewhere and seeing somebody in a bigger body and judging them for not looking I don't know if people judged me I think I was just really 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 harsh on myself like I would put them on and take them off I can't go out in public in these like I just felt so self-conscious and there was that whole thing we spoke about before where it's like I can hide if I hide (laughs) the fact I'm fat I'll stand a certain way and people will never know whereas if I wear these boots they'll just they'll just see they're like you know they're attached to my legs yeah and then they'll see that I'm fat do you know what I mean so there was that whole thing as well um but I, I definitely don't think people were... No, I don't. I like, don't like, I honestly can't remember there being a culture of, like, people slagging off anybody for being in bigger bodies. But the thing you have to remember as well, which is what I try and remember to myself all the time, people are so self-absorbed and so worried about how they look yeah. that, like, if I think about it as well, especially when I feel uncomfortable myself, or I'm no, so self-absorbed yeah. in how I look and how I feel. I don't care what the people around me look like or what they're wearing. Yeah. So you got to remember that wear what you want to wear do what you want to do because yeah. people are so self-absorbed well, like, we're all self-absorbed exactly. we're only thinking about ourselves and <laughs> nobody cares about you actually we don't care about <laughs> i know we do but you, you yeah. know what i mean like no, nobody's like oh my god look her skirt is like an inch too short she must be so uncomfortable like only you know that information yeah exactly actually there, um, there's a girl i follow a woman i follow on instagram her name is michelle Elman. so her instagram is scarred not scared and she posts a lot of stuff about body positivity mm-hmm. But a thing she posted recently was somebody said, how do you deal with stares in public? And she was like, how do you know that that person staring is a bad stare? And she had like an anecdote about like how a child kept looking at her um, when she was out and she just smiled at her. And then the child went, you look like a princess. And it was so, but she was like, she could have assumed that that kid was like, you're fat or whatever. Like, because Michelle is a plus size blogger. Yeah. Um, And she was like, I could have assumed that or I could have just not and like it was actually positive i was saying to you off pod that when i got on the lewis to come here 
and I like sat down deliberately beside a girl who was dressed really <laughs> cool and I'm sure she was probably like what the fuck but like she was wearing like a brocade kind of like black and and like like brown like the brocade was kind of like a brownie gold kind mm-hmm. and like a really soft like it looked really soft she had all badges in the front she was wearing a bowler hat she had her hair cut really short and black she was wearing these really big glasses and she had like white pinstripe trousers and blue converse and I was just like you look amazing I didn't say it to her I wish I had yeah I was probably just like <laughs> but it's just that thing of like you look really cool and yeah i was like you know you're in some kind of subculture i don't know what it is but, but I love you're it. in one and so yeah. am i yeah. yeah i love it please accept me as i have a ta- i have tattoo <laughs> i have tattoo and shaved head and shaved head please look at my shaved head and accept <laughs> me as your own but it, it is that like desire to just like i think fashion is so interesting i think emo fashion was really interesting and things that have grown out of it since like i feel like emo kind of grew into this like tumblr thing of like tartan and pastel goth and like yeah these cool things that are very internet based i've never really seen one like my mother used to always say that i was soft punk and i'm like mom my mom used to think i was trying to be a witch (laughs) which she said to me um before i think you're just trying to be a witch i'm like i'm trying to be emo mom like you know (laughs) i'm like soft punk kind of works because you're like yeah it's like you know tartan like yeah. socks and fishnets and like leather and black but also like emo makeup and whatever and I just I love the idea that like that girl could have felt like I was looking at her because I don't know I hope that she didn't think I because I wasn't sitting there beside her like staring at her yeah. like fucking spongebob or whatever yeah. like, be my friend but like I was kind of like holy shit you look amazing um, and I hope that she wasn't thinking like oh you're looking at me because I look weird I was actually like you were awesome and you're wearing a really cool outfit yeah i wish i was brave enough to wear a jacket like that and i think a lot of emo kind of came from like this bravery thing of like the day that you got your fringe cut in or the day that you like were brave enough to wear like shorts and tights or whatever you know like, yeah that you, you did this stuff that like other people might be like hey that's cool or other people didn't give a fucking shit about where yeah it was all about how you felt yeah i remember i cut my hair i wanted hair like Cassidy hope so I like I, I she ended up shaving the back of my hair the headdress the hair the headdresser the hairdresser <laughs> technically hairdressers are headdressers um so she shaved the bottom of the back of my head and like I had like the long fringe at the front but instead of looking like Cassie Pope I just looked like I wanted to speak to a manager <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous and then it took ages to grow out and oh my Sorry. god <laughs> I because it was red it was like it was like fire range and red in my hair as well so I just looked like Karen. yeah I just looked like a pure Karen like can I speak to the manager please instead of an emo and I was distraught and I think I remember my boyfriend at the time broke up with me like a few months later and I was like it's because of my shirt and my mom's like it's not because of your fucking hair it's because I talked to the manager so hard. yeah you can't think of it I just think fashion is really fun I think the fact that there is no way of pinning down emo roots, like where exactly did we come up with all these things, is so interesting. Yeah. Like I've been reading this like everywhere that I can, and I just can't find it. And I think it's because nobody fucking knows. And it's because again, it's like it's the last real subculture. Of yeah. Youth. Like but we will continue on this podcast to try and figure out what is emo. <laughs> we thought we knew, but now the more we read about it, the further away from the idea of emo we are getting. Um, and when we have the answer, we will bring it to you. 
<laughs> but it's like, you know, you, my thing Shane Dawson makes like four part series in their search for an answer. We're going to keep going infinitely, infinitely. In, I can't speak anymore. <laughs> I don't think I'm done. But infinitely trying to figure out like answers to these un- unanswered questions. I mean, if you have a fucking theory, I, I don't know why it has to be a fucking theory. <laughs> if you have one, email us. Yes. Kidsfromyesterdaypod at gmail.com. Kidsfromyesterdaypodcast at gmail.com. Betrayal. Are we not kissmysterypod at gmail.com? Dun dun dun. Interval. Elevator music. Kissmysterypod at gmail.com. My sincere apologies. Thank you, Sada. We're actually kissmysterypod on Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. Instagram. And we're kissmysterypod on Twitter. That's just because there wasn't enough letters. It's, it's really like emophobic, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, we're also up on the YouTubes now. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where you can check out the podcast. Um, there is a few. We did an IGTV a couple of weeks ago um, where we tried out emo ASMR. It had, you know, it was, it was it, you can see for yourself. Yeah, you can see for yourself, see how we get on. Uh, we're going to make a few more bits as well. We're going to, yeah, we're going to f- throw a few things up. If you have any questions for us, if you want to, I don't know, get to know us, we might do a get to know us video. Yeah. Send us in a few questions. Um, what would you like to know? Like suggestions for future shows yeah get in touch look we want to chat here we want to make friends we want to make an emo cult we want to figure out figure out this emo thing together um get all our answers to all our you know get all our answers there. put them on a postcard tell where looking is i mean i feel like we've said more than the postcard worth yeah but like that's how we're going to answer shit from now on yeah and if you're on apple podcasts Right now, listening to us, go give us a few stars, five of them preferably. Maybe a little comment. Tell just people how cool we are. Yeah. Just something that really helps with the charts. Um, obviously, we want to dominate the world and we want to get Marla Manson on this podcast so we can ask him if he's emo. And to do that, we need to get to the top of the charts. So leave us a review. And we'll love you forever. But also get Marla Manson to give you a shout out when he's on the podcast. You <laughs> can fill Marilyn Manson hitting me with a Doc Martin. Oh, can't <laughs> wait. Great. You emo, hit me. My shoe. We'll uh, see you guys next time. See you next time. Doom, doom. That was my impression of the <laughs>